guess we played a game on the weekend. I guess, I guess. Uh, my name's Barney. My name's Dan. Um, and um, yeah, we're just here to talk about post North London derby. I guess. Um, yeah, it's pretty sad. Um, mm. I've I've been feeling really down about it. Yeah, I feel like uh, I'm alone in a dark room. And Antonio Conte is sitting in the corner. And I can just see his eyes lit up red. <laughs> With rage, because that's how I feel. Well, I'm not really that enraged, but it's annoying still. It's always it's always annoying to lose to Arsenal. And especially the way that it happened was even more annoying. Yeah, this, it wasn't fun. It was definitely not fun. Um and then what do we have to put up with after that? It's just all, oh, I trust the process. Mikel Arteta. Mikel Arteta. Mikel Arteta. Is that the song they sing for them? I don't know. Who cares? Ah, uh, who cares? Um, Let's just say it is. Yeah. And now and then it's all, oh, Thomas Party. Oh, innocent till proven guilty. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, come on, Arsenal fan. Surely you've even got a, a – surely there's a – you know, some thresholds you can't cross, but uh, no, apparently not. Apparently Thomas Party is the greatest person in the universe and uh, mm-hmm. the the golden boys of football just keep on kicking on. Yeah, thank goodness. Thank goodness. I mean, maybe, just maybe what happened in this game is actually just sort of the, the next step in the narrative so that come December or, or, well, that's when the World Cup's on, come January, and their entire team explodes, it'll be funnier. Oh, it's like they're getting so um, so ahead of themselves. I saw some tweet. It was from an Arsenal fan re- re- replying to a journalist, and like it seemed like they were being quite earnest, and they were just like, so just honest question, um, what are your thoughts on us for the title? Looking pretty good right now, right? And then the journal was just like, way too early to even <laughs> to even properly entertain that. Maybe fourth. Was this before or after Man City um, destroyed the club formerly known as Manchester United? Oh, my goodness. When I saw that result. Oh, I watched it. Oh, do you watch it? Yeah, yeah, I watched it because I was waiting. I was getting off the plane, and so I was watching it on my phone, um, walking through the terminal, and I was, like, looking around, you know, being like, <laughs> and no one cared. No one else cared. Yeah. But I was honestly, like... <laughs> That first half was, I mean, all of it was unreal. Yeah. See, I haven't even seen highlights, which I probably will watch just to see the, at mm. least see the goals. Um, but my understanding was that the the scoreline even flattered them because two of Manu's goals came like the last minute or in stoppage time or and one was from a penalty or something. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So it was even flattering. So it really was a 6-1. <laughs> yeah. And it could have been more. Like, it could have been more. And yeah, those three goals were all just like, yeah. Yeah, I, what um, I heard was that um, people were just saying, like, you know, Ten Hag, it might have been the most naive setup from a manager in the history of the Premier League. It was. To go into that game with, with the team that they put out. It was bananas. It was like watching, like, Tim Sherwood could have managed the game better. Well, that's uh, all right. That's Tim Sherwood in for Man U, boss. <laughs> Breaking. Um <laughs> Anyway, back to our depression. No, this game. is great. What uh, other games can we talk about? Yeah. Um, oh, Everton won. Uh, Everton won. That was great. Two Ooh. one. That was nice. Brighton. Um, I saw one of Brighton's goals. That was quite nice. Like a very nice yeah. goal from the back. Um, 
And 3-3 against Liverpool. That would have been a fun game to watch. (laughs) Newcastle, sadly, 4-1 win. Chelsea, Mm. 2-1. West Ham, 2-0. Ah, well. Um, Any of those games you want to dive into, Barney? No. um, Did you say West Ham won? I thought West Ham lost. West Ham won. 2-0. Southampton lost to Everton. Ah, okay. Um, Southampton lost to... No, yeah, Southampton lost to Everton and West Ham beat Wolves. Wolves, what what are they even going to be this year? Uh, they might get relegated. I think. Hey, look, let's get back to the, let's get back to the pain. No, let's I got some thoughts on uh, Leicester. So Leicester and <laughs> Brandon Rogers. Let's talk about yeah, Brandon yeah, Rogers yeah, for a bit. Yeah. Um, let's just start from the bottom of the table. Talk about mm. all the teams, and then if mm. we have time, uh, if we have time, and we get up to third, first around there, then we can talk about mm. Arsenal and Spurs. What do you think about that, Bob? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sure. All right. Okay, so Leicester is Brendan Rodgers still in uh, in a, in a job? He is. Um, he shouldn't be. <laughs> One thing I've noticed is uh, podcasts that um, cover the Premier League in general usually have really bad review ratings on Spotify or iTunes because you've got all these fans that listen to like it's not like us where you have Tottenham fans listening to us who want to hear about Tottenham there's all different types of fans that listen to it and then as soon as they say anything that's critical uh that it's not coming from because I mean I feel the same way when I listen to those and there's someone that I'm like well you're not a Tottenham fan you're not allowed to say that Son's having an off game or having an off period you're not allowed what are you saying you prick um and it's very funny to read the comments yeah, only we are allowed to say that. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, although there's so much infighting amongst like Spurs fans now that it wouldn't surprise me that there's... Uh, like, I think, you know, the extra inch, they've had a lot of people that just like, you know, if they say something, then they'll hit them in the mentions and be like, Oi, what you said about him wasn't right. <laughs> and then just kicks off and gets into a big, big fuss everywhere. Mm-hmm. I, I think we don't get that because everyone just assumes we're morons. So it's like, well, it doesn't really matter what they say. Yeah, maybe people are not really coming here for like, I want some in-depth insight and um, they're not going to go, no, that take on the game was not right. That was not right. <laughs> They'd hear it and be like, I don't, I don't care enough to respond to you. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So the North London Derby, Dan, how did you feel? So... The North London derby. So just to clarify, Spurs and Arsenal, we're talking. That's Spurs and Arsenal. Yeah, it just happened this weekend. So it's just the the game that was on. It was early kickoff, (laughs) prime time for us. We're doing it. All right, we're doing it. Yeah, yeah, you know, (laughs) despite this delaying chatting about it, um, I don't really feel that bad about it now. Like, I actually don't feel anything about it now. Um, And I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing it's like if you lose due to your mistakes and you make a couple of really, really bad mistakes and that effectively gives the game away, is that worse than just getting outplayed or is that better? Because on one hand you go, we shouldn't be making these mistakes in these important games. But on the other hand, you're like, they didn't feel like they genuine, genuinely beat us. Like it felt like we mm. gifted the game to them. Mm. Mm. I think I find it more annoying because it's like, well, the two big mistakes that, you know, led to our losing of this game were self-inflicted. And it's like, well, those are things that, not that you can control a mistake, but they are more in our control than just getting outplayed. Hmm. Um, and so I find it even more annoying, especially like 
you know, it's always poor goalkeepers whenever they make an error. You know, it, it is the stakes are so high because they're standing in front of the goals. Um, but yeah, when this happened, I was just <laughs> so annoyed. I was ready to um, force Hugo Lloris into retirement. <laughs> I was so furious about it. And then I started being like, he can't stand up in the big games. When the pressure's on, Lloris can't stand up. Forgetting that he'd won a World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> Captained a team to a World Cup. Captained um, a team to a World Cup. Yeah. I think now that you, like, you say it like that, maybe I think the difference is if you look at the game by itself, then you go, that's frustrating because we could have won that game. But maybe looking mm. at the game in the context of the whole season – I'm not as frustrated because I'm like, I don't, I don't buy the hype with Arsenal. Like I, I don't see them and go like, if they actually like played us off the park and then just destroyed us, I would probably be more shattered. Cause I'd be like, Oh no, maybe this is their season. <laughs> maybe maybe mm. they are actually going to be, be able to sort of carry this through. Um, yeah. I think I just look at it like given this result, like this result isn't horrible as long as we beat them at home. Um, if we, if we lose at home or even if we draw at home, then I think this makes this result, um, quite bad. But if we, if we beat them in the return fixture, then I think that kind of like evens out what you'd expect against the other sort of top four, six teams. Yeah, I think you're right. But I also think in terms of, if you take a whole season perspective, if we get to the end of the season and there is one, we're one point off whatever thing that we're going for and you can kind of go, well, obviously there's going to be other games where things don't turn out, but if you can trace it back and go, Oh, in this game, Lloris instead tried to create a hula hoop for the ball <laughs> and Emerson Royale, I don't know the hyperbolic time chamber that he'd been training in had put him out of sync with reality. Um, like, yeah, I, I just thought it was so, especially, I guess it's annoying because I was getting annoyed at the commentators already with like the way that they were calling the game because, it, and it's nothing new. It's just the same old, like Spurs really need to get their their foot on the ball. They're really not in this game. Oh, they oh, they got penalty. Oh, right. Well, that's because they had more of a foot on the ball. And you're like, no, how, like, have you watched a single game coached by Antonio Conte? Like how, how is this news to you that we would come here and actively sort of not want the ball and let them have it? Um, so that was already annoying me. And then when Larice did his like, throw the ball through my arms, um, then that made me even more annoyed. And then the peak, the Mount Etna eruption was the Emerson Royale tackle. Oh my God. What was he doing? Yeah. It's, um... There's a lot of mixed opinions, I think, on that tackle. Um, because on one hand, you could go, well, by the letter of the law, if it studs up on someone's leg, technically it could be given as a red. But I thought given that, you know, Anthony Taylor was not giving anything in the first half and there was that mm. massive pull with um, Odegaard pull back Son, didn't mm. even get a yellow. So it's like, all right, we're letting everything in this game go, <laughs> pretty much apart from the penalty. Um mm. And then we get to that moment and it's like not even reviewed. It's just like straight red. Mm. And it's just like, come on, mate. Like I, this is not trying to absolve Emerson of, of any um, criticism at all. Um, but I'm just like, I just thought it was like, I don't know. It seemed like the ref just wanted to put himself in the center of attention there. And 
just make a big call and and just storm in and give his red. We don't see very many reds just given now. Like most of them, they do maybe go a yellow or they maybe call stop the play and then they do the review. Um, mm. So I think that's just, it just really took me by, took like it caught me off guard that the fact that it's like, oh, hang on, wait, there's been just a straight red here. Um, mm. And then it's only on the replays. You're like, ah, maybe, but come on, like, there's no real force in it. There's there's this, that, everything else. But yeah, it was a stupid challenge. And why on earth you would make that <laughs> make that tackle when Martinelli's running away from goal and he's running in his he's back in his own half? It's ridiculous. It's insane. It was like, and I agree with you. Like in terms of game state, like nothing had been given apart from the penalty, the huge pullback on Sun. There was nothing, and then the next thing, like you said, it was like Taylor was like. And now for my grand entrance into this game in a red gown, brandishing my red card. Like, it was crazy. What, how could you go straight? And and the issue is that, you know, with VAR, if, if the, the way it's implemented in terms of, like, the letter of the law and looking at whatever the hell clear and obvious error means, is that they're not looking at, they're not going, okay, well, the clear and obvious error is relative to game state and relative to how the officiating has operated to this point. It's not that. So it's like, mm. well, studs up tackle, it's a red card, right? If he'd given a yellow card, I don't think VAR would have intervened him in like, it's a red card. Um, there might've been a review, but I don't think it would have been given. Um, yeah. So yeah, there is definitely that factor, but at the same time, it's like, don't put yourself in a situation where, you, you know, you can buy the letter of the law, get a red card. Like, Oh, totally. Yeah. It's similar to, you know, we got away with it when, um, Geo, I can't remember who he stamped on right in front of, was it Mike Dean? Uh, and he got a yellow and it should have been a red and that was, you know, that was great. But here we get the opposite. And it's just like, what, what were you hoping to achieve there? Like, there was no way you were getting the ball. I yeah. don't understand what what the plan there was. Yeah. I feel like sometimes when people talk about this stuff, it's like they pin, they have to pin it on one particular reason. And it's like both of these things can be true. Yeah. Like the fact that for Emerson, it was a stupid, stupid, stupid challenge. And also it was a not consistent red card. And it, that, um, like, so many of those tackles happen every week, and especially this season, letting letting things go a little bit more. But I think what mm. was weird about it was that um, it seemed like Emerson. It was one of those little fouls where it's like, ah, I'll just give him a little ankle tap just to just to kind of bring him down and I don't know, get a breather or something. But it was just if that's what he was going for, and he just completely mistimed that with his studs. Like when you do that, you got to go studs down and just catch them at the back of the ankle. Mm. Um, so it was very. Like, it was just so, I don't know. It was just such a weird challenge to make then, um, which, mm. is, which is just, and, and when we look at it, we go like Emerson, like, what is his strength? And it is his, apparently his defensive side. Um, yeah. And yeah, there's just no reason for that at all. Totally. I mean, I, uh, my immediate reaction when watching the game was like, oh good, at least he misses three matches, <laughs> which is, you know, like very reactive, but at the same time, like. I feel like we on this podcast have been pretty patient with him. And in a game like this, to do something like that, where I'm like, was the motivation like, I'm playing against Arsenal, so I'm going to make myself a Tottenham legend and go wild in this tackle <laughs> and get a reaction or something. 
or was it just like, I, I just, you know, who knows? It would have been a split second decision. He probably doesn't know why he did it either, but it, yeah, so frustrating to be, you know, where the tackle happened, considering that we were two one down, like just bizarre, like bizarre behavior. Yeah. And it's like, the the weird thing is like, it's not like Emerson seemed that frustrated when he made the tackle either. Like it was very like devoid of it, much emotion. And it was just like, kind of like, Oh, well, still stick my foot here. Well, see what happens. Um, Like there was nothing, which is so like, look, if you could understand and you wouldn't condone it, but you'd understand like if Martinelli had say like given him an elbow, like 10 seconds beforehand, and then Emerson's gone like, well, screw you. I'm just going to get, give you one. And then he's just mm. made a, made a really bad call there. Cause then you would at least be able to go, okay, the red mist came out and that made, okay, fine. He lost his cool and he made this really, really poor decision, lost his head, but that didn't happen. It was just so, so sort of like just dull. Um, and yeah, yeah, the game was done and that, that, that was just sealed it. Mm. It's, it's really weird. Like not to just sit and try and compare mistakes, but oh, something, something feels weird about it, Right. So like, I feel in some ways Hugo's was a worse fumble, but like Emerson, Emerson's just mentally was just, uh, just unexplainable. Um, hmm. and I think it's like a, a, a keeper that's as good as Hugo, you expect him to not make that sort of error at yeah. that time. And then Emerson, it's like, did the game get the better of him? And he was not. Um, is not used to playing in that sort of environment. Some, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to like. I'm scrambling around trying to rationalize how these both of these things happened. I mean, with the Hugo thing, I think there's no intent there. Like he doesn't intentionally be like, I'm going to create a hoop with my hands for the ball to go through. Mm. He goes for the ball in the after. I mean, it's a double error because he parries it down into a dangerous area and then. Uh, that happens, but at no point can, would you say he's not doing the best that he can in that moment, regardless of whether that's close to his best or not. Like you, you know, he is Whether Emerson, there is intent there. There's like planning there in the sense of like, I'm going to tackle this person. Um, I'm not scrambling on the goal line. (laughs) I'm out on the wing miles away from goal and I'm just going to (laughs) fly in for no reason. Yeah. Well, look, I think. I think both of these things, they do relate to a question that we had on Discord from uh, Ranfei241193. Uh, um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I was basically saying, I've seen people blaming the individual errors of Larice and Emerson, but how can we be sure that Conte didn't just accidentally hit the remote control and it caused their anal beads to go ballistic? Uh, <laughs> that's it. That's a, like, on, in all honesty, as stupid as this sounds, that is a more viable explanation for both of these goals than anything else I've heard so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just got it in his pocket and he's he's slapped his, uh, his thigh, he's hit the anal beads <laughs> and <laughs> they have gone into overdrive. Yeah. And I, I feel like just before the game, surely someone must have been, so, someone sort of, sort of said to him like, you know, like, oh, Antonio, do you want to make sure maybe don't take the remote in your pocket? Like it's just a bit, you get very heated. Sometimes you might set it mm. off. Um, we can't really afford that. And also why have you just put anal beads inside of Emerson and, and Hugo today? Um, mm. is it a round Robin thing where it changes week to week? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it might be a round Robin. Um, and I just want to say to anyone that might be listening to this podcast for the first time, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's 
It's all good. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, listen to the previous episode if you're really curious. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I assume that, that's, yeah, that's totally what I imagine it's like one of those, you know, like children's TV remotes with the big buttons on it. Yeah. Like it's not like a, a slick Apple TV remote or something. It's one of those like kind of uh, gauche, like big, like one, two, three, four, but it's just uh, one, two, I assume. <laughs> For some reason in my head, I started picturing a boppet. <laughs> yeah, it's a boppet. No, he's it's got a, a boppet. That's way better. He's got a boppet. He's got a boppet and it's what... in his jacket pocket when yeah. he goes like this. And that's what controls it. So maybe it's just <laughs> completely random as to who, like maybe he was getting so frustrated that he just, uh, when Emerson, like there was nothing going on and he's like, oh, I mm. hope this gets like, I hope this gets Romero or Dyer or Hoybier or something right now. And he just goes for mm. it and just accidentally, just how the universe played out, it was Emerson mm. who got set off um, in that scenario. Because there's so many controls. You can hit it. You can twist it. You can, what's the, there's the third one. Uh, I believe, I guess, bop it. You can bop it. Which I guess uh, is the hit. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I feel like that's, that's, that's all we're going to get in terms of logical reason about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, uh, there's more glaring issues like the fact that um, Arsenal and Arteta have uh, gone on to celebrate... Uh, the play of um, a potential uh, rapist. So that, you know, there's bigger issues, I guess. Yeah. Socially. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was pretty bad. And then after the game, and this is where people are dissecting it in different ways. Like they're saying like, no, no, Arteta was saying everything he's been through um, with his injuries. And other people are like, no, no, no. The quote says everything he's been through and the injuries. Yeah. So, but even still... I think you've, regardless of which one it was, you have to be wary of like, all right, maybe I'm just not going to p- pipe up too much here. Maybe I'm not going to like talk up this player too much because um, it's really, really bizarre because I, so I was under the impression that the the case against um, Thomas Party had kind of been dropped purely because um, the police didn't have like jurisdiction and in terms of timing for when legislation came in to be able to prosecute stuff that happened overseas that had like, that came in after this had happened, but he's still under investigation for two other incidents, um, alleged incidents from, uh, and alleged by another person. So his bail's extended until Oct- um, October. So he's still, <laughs> he's still on bail for these other two things. So you've really got a question like, why is this person playing at all? And mm. like, how is this different to like Sigurdsson? Like, uh, we haven't heard anything about Sigurdsson getting convicted or anything yet. I mean, but Sigurdsson was allegedly with a child though, wasn't it? No, I totally get that. But I still just mean yeah. that it's like, it's still like, if something is under this much investigation, um, if someone's on bail, like, I, I don't know, people turn around and they go like, well, what about Basuma? And I'm like, I, I think that's, it's, it's sort of totally different. Well, he's been acquitted. So, yeah. you know, for for anyone that, and I remember this at the time when we signed Basuma, there were those saying, you know, like, you know, he shouldn't be, we shouldn't have signed him. And then people were responding to that and saying, oh, well, you know, like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's not guilty until proven innocent. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but then you're right. We You've got this dichotomy there where Sigerson, who has allegedly done some really heinous stuff, is, has disappeared because of the nature of the crime, right? Yeah. Which is being weighed by the public because of the um 
like the abjectness of what he allegedly has done, it's like, oh, that's different, you know, because of the age. And, and party has also allegedly done some horrendous stuff. And it's like, well, you're making a judgment call there on what is more severe, Mm. um, from a public point of view, which is not your job because you're not a judge who's done 10 billion years of legal study, um, nor a policymaker. So that, you know, in that sense, it's kind of like, it's redundant how you weigh these crimes. Um, and I'm not saying that all crimes are the same, but you know, like if I, if I stole, um, a Powerade from Coles, it's not the same as, um, killing my brother, but, uh, it's, um, and I would, no, I wouldn't, no, text right back. Um, <laughs> Uh, but it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that that Arteta, the point I'm trying to get to here is that Arteta, if he's such a clever guy, trusting the process, he should know that him making a comment like that, regardless of whether he, he purely meant injuries, and that's it, mm. and there was a breakdown in language, and he said, and the and bit is, it shouldn't be included. That's still ridiculous. That's still an insane thing to say, given the circumstances and obviously with um media laws the media aren't allowed to say anything because it's not he's not convicted so they can't um i i, st- I, feel, I still feel in that instance like people can like they can at least halt to the price <laughs> like yeah, yeah but that's what i'm saying i'm saying arteta has freedom there to say nothing uh halt the praise or say yeah he, it was a good goal but oh totally i i, I know you're not saying that i'm saying other people yeah. it's like the media and the commentators and the pundits and stuff. And it's like, you just don't have to praise the person. You can still be like, you know what? I don't really want to talk about them. Yeah. And you can like, and you can say that off air. You're like, you know what? I don't really talk, want to talk about this. Um, mm. But it just feels so weird seeing someone praised in that manner for like, for a performance, for a sporting performance, and mm. then just forgetting about everything else. Um, mm. Cause like when, when Basuma, like with the whole Basuma thing as well, when he did sign, like we were very sort of like conflicted about that. Um, we thought, well, we don't know about this. Um, other Spurs fans did thought the same as well. But by the time he actually started playing for us, he had been acquitted. Mm. Whereas it seems like there are certain Arsenal fans now who are kind of like, they're really, really defending party in, 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 to a weird degree. Yeah. Um, when And they're not even admitting that like he could possibly be guilty or anything like that. They're just like, they're using really, I think, just, I don't know, like oafish arguments. Um, mm. and just basically ignoring the whole thing. Um, and I think that mm. is really, really, um, uh, problematic. And it, you see it, like, it also comes from the top. Like if Arteta is speaking like that after a game, then of course all your Arsenal fans are going to not think there's any issue there and just, just go on praising him. Exactly. Yeah. In terms of, uh, that's where, you know, when people go, football's apolitical, it's like, well, if you need to recognise the power structures and the endowed importance that people put on players and managers, and if he makes a comment like that, then it's permission to be like, well, it's fine, because he's he hasn't been, uh, you know, uh, convicted of anything. So therefore he's an innocent man, which again, and this reflects back on the Basuma thing. If you look at the rates of incarceration or conviction in sexual assault cases, we know that a lot of the time people that are guilty get off. Mm. Um, and so with Basuma, it's kind of like, well, yeah, he's been acquitted we'll see what the rest of the investigation is. Like if he's truly by the end of it, if it's like, no, he really didn't have anything to do with it. 
fine. Um, but it's still such a messy, it's like, I, I, I think I've said this before, but like, I can't believe the NRL and for our English listeners, the, um, national rugby league here is like just the most feral sport. <laughs> um, it looks like a backyard amateur, sorry for anyone that likes it. Um, competition and they have a rule that if you are under investigation for any crime whatsoever you are not allowed to play which i think is good <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's 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 like and it's not it's not that hard of a rule because it's like no they what like how many premier league players are currently under investigation for something yeah we don't have any others mm. um and whether or not again it's maybe there are a whole bunch and we can't you know <laughs> people aren't talking about but it's like, like you should really be, I think, proactively doing something that is more of a societal benefit um, and and sort of, yeah, making that move of just removing that person from any of these situations. Mm. Um, not just for their, not for the, the, not for the player's benefit, but for everyone else's benefit involved. So like they don't talk about, like the club doesn't have to talk about it, The club's not forced to field questions on it because if that's the case, like, you know, you're not going to have journalists asking questions about it. And journalists can't ask questions about it anyway. So it's like there's this weird elephant in the room mm. that it's like everyone knows this thing, but it apparently if you just read like media headlines and everything, you would have no idea that this, you know, that there was any sort of investigation happening whatsoever. And it just feels really, really weird because it's like where and, and where are kids going? Like they're seeing stuff online on Twitter and stuff like that much more than they are seeing an article written by the guardian or something. Mm. Um, so their impression is, Oh, this guy's done this thing. He's for investigation, but no, he's scoring all these goals and being praised. All right, great. Fine. doesn't matter. Mm. It's, it's really weird. It's really, really weird. And it doesn't really happen in any other, um, in any other facets of life that like you really hear <laughs> about this sort of stuff, um, happening. Totally. The only other area would be, movie stars and even then because of the more ethereal nature of their like value to society in terms of their performance the context of being uh like investigative or something like this hangs much more heavily over and the reporting of it seemingly is a lot more free in what it can and can't say so um yeah, it's just like, it's just poor. It's like poor. And I'm not just saying this because he scored a goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, oh. I, I watched this with my parents um, and I've never watched the Spurs. Oh, no, maybe I've watched one game ever previously with them. And I watched this game because I was uh, back home in Perth and mum was like, whoa, pfft. What a, what a strike. And I was like, he's under investigation for sexual assault. She was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> What's he, why is he playing? And it's like, ex exactly. Yeah. Like mum's right. Mum's right. Is what I'm saying. Arteta should give my mum a phone call. Okay. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, I think it's an interesting point you raised with the movie stars and, and that sort of thing. Um, but it, it seems like even in those instances, people jump off them a lot faster and like sponsors jump off them a lot faster and all of that. Whereas I guess it's like in the footballing world, like I wonder if, so like Thomas party is such a crucial player to Arsenal's midfield. If he was just a bit part player in the team, would that just be put us like Greenwood? He was like, uh, like, and uh, yeah, so they heard some audio and they heard this, but it still wasn't, he wasn't fully convicted mm. by that stage. But then they're like, no, he's, we don't, we don't, we're just 
well, he's gone away for a while. Mm. Um, and out of the squad, not training, all that sort of stuff. But whereas this, it's like, because this is such a crucial play to Arsenal, it's like, like, what do they care more about? They care so much more about like qualify for Champions League, winning a title and whatever, that you can't sort of take a stand on this. Whereas I feel that even if you're like a movie, you know, a film production company, you can drop an actor and go, well, we've lost money on this film, but we'll make another one and we'll make it back and mm. um, all that sort of stuff. So I feel like them, it's much easier for them to just go, oh yeah, cool, we'll do it. Whereas in football, it's like, just self-interest always seems to come in. Uh, well, I mean, self-interest in any of these senses, but self-interest of like, oh, the worst thing would be is if we started dropping points in Premier League games because we took a stand on something here. Mm-hmm. I think the difference, which I'm sure you know as well, between the Greenwood case and this one is that if there was audio or any evidence that had been released publicly, I don't think party would be playing. But with the Greenwood one, because that exists... You know, it was like, well, he's not been convicted, but there is vi- this evidence here that looks uh, quite, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it, it's quite uh, suggestive of his guilt. So it's like, well, we can't really continue to play this player. Oh, totally. There, I mean, there were there were texts released, though, for, about, for the party one. Oh, true. True, true, true. And yeah. Yeah, you're right. So fuck Arsenal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and also, you know, like uh, not the same, I, I guess, in terms of how you value, and I don't want to get into this, but like uh, human life versus animal life. Like uh, there is a video of Kurt Zuma kicking a cat and he's still playing. Like, yeah. and he played <laughs> immediately afterwards. Like, yeah. Totally. Revolting. What other Arsenal players should we? Uh... Who should we? Oh, I, I, I do want to say, you know, <laughs> with all the excitement around um, their from their fans, you know, like they're gonna win the title, blah blah blah. If Jesus gets injured, <laughs> like what are they gonna do? Yeah, I, in all honesty, I I look at them and I say like they're a promising team. Like if we're being realistic and if we're being honest as fans, they're a promising team, but they're not like right now. You see like you watch city game, <laughs> like they're not, <laughs> it's different levels. It's completely different levels mm. here. Um, and like what you say, it's, it's in a way a little bit, I was going to say similar to us, but I think we actually have more depth than Arsenal do mm. because I was like, if Kane gets injured, well then we've got Richarlison, Son, Decky, like we've got mm. players there. Um, you know, if Romero is injured long-term then you know, someone like that is a concern, but yeah, mm. I, I really don't think that, um, I think they've just had a really, really good start. They've they've played well in certain games. They've but they've also kind of everything's going right for them at the moment. And so yeah, mm-hmm. as soon as something happens where yeah, an injury happens to a key player or you know someone starts dropping out of form, um, I don't think they they have enough to to get things over the line. No, no. This reminds me. I feel like I should jump in on this now. Um, because, uh, it's relevant to what we've kind of been talking about in terms of the, the actual game itself. But I saw one of my, this is one of my favorite Twitter things I've ever seen. And we love a good rant about Twitter behavior, opinions, blah, blah, blah. So don't worry, (laughs) not going on one of those, but I do just want to share this one thing. So some aggregate or aggregator account posted, uh, something from the, NFL game that happened at Spurs Stadium and they the caption is 
horrible injury here at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in the game between the Minnesota Vikings and the New Orleans Saints, I think. Well, Saints, yeah. I, like, I don't care, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I care about the, hopefully the person is fine, but I don't care. Um, and then uh, someone uh, replied, uh, I won't say their name. This is their reply to, to that. This is the first reply. Arsenal still has to come to Spurs at home. They will lose 4-1. That's going to be my bet. I think he should have played Kulu on the right win or at right win back. And I think that's the team we should have played. Also, Lloris is amazing, but starting to slip now. I'd start Forster again. Right? And then someone replies, Kulu was injured. And then he replies, Pentecourt, Hoybier, and Basuma midfield. Son, Kulu, and Kane up front. Or Richarlison and Kulu at right wing back. Also, start Forster as well until we buy a new keeper. <laughs> someone has posted, they have posted about someone having a, a, a an injury during a, a completely different sports game. And then someone <laughs> jumps on and says, should have played, uh, should have played Kulusevsky. I love that. It's like, oh, what are we doing lining up as the New Orleans Saints? <laughs> That's ridiculous formation. I wouldn't be playing as the New Orleans Saints. We should be playing as Tottenham Hotspur. Why wasn't Kulusevsky playing in the NFL? Yeah. yeah. I'd go with three-man midfield in the NFL. What's going on? Why are we even playing in the NFL? We should have been playing in the Premier League. But uh, the thing that uh, that I, I guess I, <laughs> I um, got from this is, like the Royale Challenge that maybe wasn't, particularly filled with foresight. Uh, <laughs> there is also similar thinking here where someone's posted about a completely different sport and they've replied with um, what formation we should have played and a prediction for a game that's six months away and including a player that's injured. So <laughs> it's just... The only thing I can think here is that this this person is just banned from any other, like all other threads <laughs> yeah. they've been banned for. And they're just like... Hey mate, look, you you've just gotta you gotta stop commenting. We're gonna ban you from everything. And then mm. there's like, oh, I'll find something to comment on or get my thoughts out there. <laughs> I wonder if they do this on the regular for other things too. So does they just it's just <laughs> just love giving their opinion on Tottenham. So any sort of thing that comes up, like Big Mac, join us for McDonald's Monopoly in stores now. <laughs> he should have played Kulu at right wing back. That would have been an interesting choice. I'm actually, maybe I'm just going to turn my Twitter account into replying to <laughs> corporate uh, entities' tweets with just like, I wish you'd play a 352. That would have been much more exciting. <laughs> That is like, it's actually quite funny when you think about it. If, if this is done intent with this clearly isn't, but if this was done intentionally, um, this would be very, like, it's very funny. <laughs> Someone just airing grievances on, uh, um, and do you know, the funny thing is as well, it's like that someone has replied to them and engaged on their topic. So not just going yep. like, Hey, this is NFL game they're talking about. Mm. They've gone, Oh, Kulu was injured. It's like, no, don't feed, don't feed this bear. Like, <laughs> but then the reply doesn't even acknowledge that. It just continues. <laughs> it's so good. I actually, uh, if you're listening and you want to um, see um, Tottenham Hotspur related replies to corporate entities' tweets, my Twitter account is uh, CoolSoupBoy69. Or should I do it on the Bit Spursy one? It's up to you, Dan. I don't want to ruin... I think cool soup boy 69. It just, that sounds like the sort of account which would do it as well. 
Yeah, yeah. I need to add some numbers in, more numbers, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, mm. please, just everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> just talk about formation, tactics, yeah. uh, my opinions on the substitutions. Yeah. Oh, Davinson again. <laughs> yeah. It's like some accounting firm just to, to post about their Christmas party or something. Yeah. 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 But <laughs> we have um, uh, got a green policy for our Christmas party this year. All cups will be made of recycled plastic. <laughs> Benton Kerr had a good game. Yeah. However, I think we need someone else to back him up. Yeah. Basuma would be a great addition to make a three-man midfield. Yeah. And then someone will come in. <laughs> Basuma was injured that game. <laughs> yeah, and then I'll go. <laughs> I wish we still had Jermaine Defoe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it is it is great. Um, I feel like um, I feel like final thoughts on the game because I think we're yeah. There's not really much else to talk about, but um, there is a nice compilation doing the rounds on Twitter, um, which does show that we did have you know four or five half chances where we kind of overplayed the final ball. Um, Sonny overplayed a few of them. Yeah. And when you watch that clip, you're like, and, and I, to be honest, I'd forgotten about most of them. Like I'd, I'd remember during the game, like, oh, I think, you know, we're, we're actually looking okay. We're getting some, mm. we're getting some little, you know, we're getting somewhere in this. Um, but then after it, I was like, oh, hang on. We could have on another day easily had sort of two or three goals from these. And it was just a, uh, so I don't know if that's a more worrying thing where you go, hang on, Sonny's still out of form and he's, his mm. final ball's not great. And, you know, not to just blame it all on him, but it's like we've had some chances. Uh, or if you look at that as a, a positive and you go, hey, it just maybe didn't click on those breaks today. I mean, I think, you know, when you play a game where you concede possession and then try and play on the break, the whole thing is and we're more resistant to it now because of Conte and patterns and whatever compared to the Jose days where it's like, well, it is entirely up to the players on the day. But you're right. It's like if those balls come off and they're cleaner, then, you know, maybe we score a couple of goals. If someone else, uh, Kulusevsky, for instance, was fit and was the one playing those balls for Son or for Kane, um, then maybe uh, we score or we get closer to scoring. But Son, for some reason today, and and maybe that's what the, maybe that's a result of Arteta's great process where he's isolated Son as the person that plays the balls because he's realized that the probability of Son playing a good through ball is lower than, than the other uh, players. Who knows? Maybe. I think you're giving Arteta possibly way too much credit there. For, for that. I absolutely am. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I honestly I thought like <laughs> watching those, it's like, oh, we're, they, they're so vulnerable um, on the break, Arsenal, because they push so yeah. high. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like Son is deadly when he's on the end of these things. Mm. Um, when he's involved in that buildup. Um, which is what you're saying. If Kulusevsky was in, he's the sort of player who, and 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 again, it's it's also like Richarlison was doing well in these build-up plays. Like Kane mm. was doing, you know, okay as well. But it's just like you just see when it when Son isn't on, Son needs to be the. It has to be the final ball going to Son for him to really let his you know eliteness shine through everything. Yeah. But when he's involved sure. earlier, it's 
he often just kind of brings the ball back and we don't really get too far. Now, this is not against Son. This is not saying we should drop him again, but it's just one of these things that I think, I don't know, we've just got to be wary of this, that when we're breaking, Son really has to be the one who's just legging it. And we've just got to mm. make sure that other players are getting into these positions where they can be the ones, you know, carrying the ball or bringing it up or playing the the pass or two before the shot. Um, mm. Because, yeah, it was just a little bit concerning to see how many of these mm. we did actually waste in this game. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's you know, I guess it plays into that sort of uh, line of thinking or narrative around us needing a, a playmaker because uh, not that I buy into the idea we need a playmaking, you know, sitting midfielder, although that could alleviate some of the pressure if Kulisevsky's injured. But we need Kulisevsky too. Like we need a clone of him in case he gets injured because if he does, then we have Son, Richarlison and Kane who are all excellent players in their own right, but we don't have anyone like Kulisevsky to link that play. And we almost need to find a player that's a similar profile to Decky so that we can, if he's injured or if we need to rotate, can come in and, and stitch the midfield to the attack. Because when I saw the lineup come out, I was like, uh-oh, we've seen what this looks like. And a lot of the time it's quite disjointed. Um, So I, I guess that's, yeah, I, I think that's very important for for January. If we had to sign, like we did last season, where we signed Bendiko and Kulisevsky, like you can't really assume that we're going to make two signings as good as those again. But we need someone that's going to stitch that play together. Um, the other thing I wanted to say from from the game was um, the <laughs> I loved, and you wouldn't get this from a a manager that's either has less um, less of a reputation or maybe just isn't Antonio Conte, that after we got the red card, he was like, all right, stuff it. And then <laughs> it just brought on four four defenders and was like, yeah, yeah, cool. Well, we'll just rotate now because we've got a, a Champions League game. I liked that. I was like... I loved it. I loved it. I was so shocked that it happened. Yeah. But I was like, all yeah. right, great. Um, you know, um. Because I guess we're, you know, we're so used to being told of like, you know, Conte doesn't rotate, like he rotates his wing backs just because they are absolutely cooked, but mm. he doesn't like rest players so much for, he's not so great when he has to play two games in a week. He really needs his team to go a hundred miles an hour at one team, um, mm. all that sort of stuff. So to see him actually think ahead for the Frankfurt game when this was, you know, in the middle of such a big game here, but just realizing like, well, that's done. Yep, that's done. We're not getting back mm. in this. Uh, there's just there's just no way that's happening. Um, I think it was yeah, it was it was good to see and and good to see some players uh, get minutes. I think this Doherty's first minute since since his injury. Didn't he play for like ten minutes in the? It was an earlier game, but this was probably the most minutes he's had. Mm. Okay, I'm 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 I must have forgotten that. Um, I don't I don't know. I could be I could be thinking about preseason. I could be thinking about last season, Dan. I don't know. Uh, oh, it could have been because I I was just I was just under the impression that Conte had said that you know like oh you know Doherty is someone who's his injury has taken a bit longer to heal and he'll be back after the international break. Um, mm. But maybe he did come on for like a a, a few minutes previously. But... I feel like he did, um, but I'm not going to look it up. 
<laughs> so, um, but, but anyway, he's it's good to see him starting to come into the fold because now I guess we're forced to play at least in the league. Uh, we're forced to not play Emerson. Um, and you feel like he's definitely going to be playing Champions League now. Like Emerson is going to play Champions League. Um, for the oh, next for sure. couple of weeks, it's like it's like a misbehaved naughty boy. All right, you just get to play some Champions League. Yeah, yeah. But maybe we've solved it. Maybe that's maybe he just wanted to ensure that he was playing Champions League, and he'd been told earlier in the week. Conte said, "Hey, look, Emerson, you've um you've been you've been playing well. I want to play in the derby, but then after that, mm. you're going to have a break, and we're going to play Jed Spence." Mm. And Emerson's <laughs> gone. Screw that. No, absolutely not. I really want to play Frankfurt. <laughs> Yeah, I'm desperate to play against Frankfurt. I'm desperate. And you know what, Conte, if you're going to go through with that, I'm going to ruin our chances of getting a result from this game. Yeah. (laughs) Are you (laughs) going to bench me, are you? Oh, we'll see about that. We'll see about that, Antonio. Yeah. (laughs) What I think was great about the move is obviously, you know, like proper football is like keep on fighting till the end, grind out some kind of result, blah, blah. But it was just such a flex to be like, um, okay, well, this is kind of gone, so we'll do a bunch of subs so we don't concede anymore uh, because we've got the Champions League with the yeah. Arsenal. <laughs> like, they're not going to be like, oh, we should rotate for the Europa League where we have to travel to, like, deep Transylvania to yeah. play Dracula FC. <laughs> like, <laughs> I loved that it was like, we've actually got really important things after this, so... We did blow this, but we've actually got important games. Yeah. I, I think in some ways it was like very level-headed from content. I'm sure after the game, he wouldn't have been level-headed in the, in the dressing room or whatever, but um, it was, it was very level-headed to, to think that way. Cause I think we have something like nine games in 43 days or something like that. So mm. there's, there's so much happening here. Um, like I, I always felt we were probably going to really struggle to like, you know, win every game through this period or not drop any points through this period or, you know, we're bound to lose a couple of games when you got that sort of schedule. Um, I just thought that maybe, you know, if we could do something against Arsenal, you'd sort of take through a little bit more confidence into that um, mm. as as it goes on, but... Yeah, it's like the World Cup is so close. Like, I, it's in my mind, it's still like, no, it's ages away, and it's like, no, no, it is close, closing in very, very quickly. Yeah, absolutely, it is just around the corner. Um, which I mean, I'm looking forward to it, but also I'm not because. <laughs> Did you see? Actually, we were talking last pod about, um, you know, Harry Kane being like. <laughs> I'm going to be wearing a rainbow armband to protest. Um, Have you seen Denmark's kit from, who are they sponsored by? From Hummel. Hummel. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, it's quite, it's, it's better than the rainbow armband, but at the same time, it's like, it's a faded kit. Yeah. It's like, no, you can still see the branding though. What if you just did a kit with nothing on it? Like that would be, and, and then fade the red as opposed to being like, it's a faded kit, but you can still see our logo. Yeah. Well, see, I, I think um, I was looking into that as well. And some people were saying that FIFA require the sponsor to have their logo on it. <laughs> right. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. But I wonder if still, still, even if the requirements meant that you, you were allowed to take your logo off completely, would Hummel really take it off completely? 
Or would mm, they just mm. leave it on there at like, it's kind of like it's almost on there at like 10% opacity. And it's like, that's just what it looks like. Someone just like yeah. notched it right down. It's like, well, it's still there. It's still there. And like, it's interesting because it's like them doing that. I'm sure they're going to sell a lot of these kits because the kits actually look fantastic. Um, yeah. But it's like, well, is this kind of, like how much of this is PR move as well? And they know, like they obviously know by doing this as well that they're going to sell kit. <laughs> like, so yeah, I, I to me, it would have really been a lot more impactful if, and they might be doing this as well, but if there is some other cause backed up by this where, you know, it's like, well, X percent of the money that goes, you know, that we, we, we get in for these kits, we are going to give to, to this, to this, whatever. Um, mm. I feel like there kind of needs to be that action on the other side for this to be like, oh yeah, great. Um, awesome. Awesome. We can then rule out <laughs> you just trying to sell more kits out of this. Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, my thinking was, okay, it's still visible. And most of these games are going to be played under a roof, under lights, regardless of whether it's day or night, because of the air con thing, which means that the lights, and you can confirm this because you know much more about <laughs> visuals than me, uh, that means that the despite being at that kind of like low opacity, um, you're going to be able to see the branding because of the lights. Oh, so yeah. it's like they kind of get it's like a win-win where it's like we're standing up against uh all the bad stuff that happened but also our you can still see our branding yeah um and we're going to sell like and that's the the duality of you know capitalism and why it's so successful is that i can look at that go i assume that these things are also true and then also be like i want one i want a denmark <laughs> kit oh totally i want one so bad the black one looks absolutely gorgeous yeah um yeah but yeah no it's it'll still be visible and uh, you've got to feel as well it's going to be one of these things where surely fifa are going to tell the commentary teams that you are not allowed to talk about this oh yeah yeah it won't be mentioned they'll just they just won't mention it <laughs> just be this weird thing <laughs> where they're just no it, it will just be completely unmentioned the whole time um i think this has been the only sort of protest in terms of kits because nike's have released all sorry nike have released all of their kits which are absolute trash for like 99 percent mm. of them um puma's ones like mm, there's one or two which look okay but again kind of like it's a pretty rubbish year for kits so if there was a year mm. which everyone was going to get on board like all these other manufacturers like this is it there's no iconic kits in this bunch mm. here it's not like we're talking about like a nigeria 2018 yeah yeah no which was wow oh wow and that, like which i think they recently re-released as well um Sick. so good but yeah look in some ways it's it's at the same time, I guess, talking about these things and, and pushing it out, it is still good. Um, but, yeah, I just wonder if other companies now are going to start coming out of the woodwork. Um, all the ones who are not official FIFA sponsors, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Nike is such a funny one where they are so their branding versus their manufacturing versus their corporate interests uh, like almost on opposite poles of a three-poled earth <laughs> where <laughs> it's so disparate. It's so funny. Well, not funny. It's actually really depressing mm. that they're like, we're for, you know, like whatever, we're for uh, freedom and um, we're anti-exploitation. But also these shoes were made for 50 cents or, <laughs> you know, like they're sort of the famous ones, I guess, for 
the exploitation exploitation of um, factory workers. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I imagine that something is going to happen off this because other brands are going to go, oh, that was very clever. So now we're going to do something. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I feel like your your Nikes and your Adidas's they. I don't know. In my head, I assume that they are official partners with FIFA for the World Cup, but also mm. I'm not 100% sure on that. And I might just be thinking that because they both do like a big World Cup ad each time mm. there is a World <laughs> Cup on. So I assume, but I mean, they're, they're obviously just, you know, pushing their own product there. Um, but yeah, I, I wonder, um, I guess Heineken, I'm pretty sure they're official, but they're probably not going to pipe up. Um, also, I don't know what the situation is with alcohol now or maybe we discussed this previously where i i vaguely recall like there are some there are maybe like drinking areas or something because i'm pretty sure you're not allowed to publicly drink in qatar um no so i have the inside scoop because uh my dad is a cameraman so he's got mates going over for to shoot the world cup mm -hmm. um and they were saying that they've been told that there are specific areas and that a pint of beer will cost roughly 25 Australian dollars. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How many fans know this as well? Like, I don't think they would mm. be making this real public knowledge beforehand. Um, and yep. it's like the fans get stung because so many World Cup fans, that they're going over there to party as well. Mm. Oh, so yeah. now you're going to sting them even more on these yeah, massively expensive tickets and stuff too. That's, that is insane. Yeah. Again, it's like the, the buck stops or not the buck stops, but rather the, the ones that are exploited are the fans that, uh, spending money to go to this fly there, get accommodation and then go to the football, pay for tickets and then buy food and drink. And then it's like $25 for a beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's not, it's disgusting. It's just, it's just, it's just bad. Again, it's just stinging like, you know, the stinging all the blue coal fans going to the, who, who was, who's spending so much money to go over there. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I have, I have just pulled up as well, just on the side here, Barney, the, uh, the, the world cup sponsors, mm. um, and Adidas are an official one. Coke are an official one. Wanda, don't know who they are. Hyundai and Kia, Qatar Airways. And then uh, Qatar Energy. Yeah. Oh, surprise, surprise. Um, and then there are some other ones like Visa, Budweiser, McDonald's, uh, Crypto.com, Hisense, and a, and a couple of others. But yeah, I can't imagine any of these would be piping up about anything. No, God, no. Are you saying the same McDonald's that for a period had lots of pride marketing? Uh, is also sponsoring the World Cup in Qatar? What? That doesn't make any sense, Dan. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> With old mate David Beckham that we spoke about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we should, to get back onto more uh, Spurs adjacent, the adjacentness being closer to Spurs, mm -hmm. um, I feel like we need to mention Emerson Royale um, with his million-dollar purchases <laughs> with oh, yeah. his neuroscientist and his hyperbaric oxygen chamber. I know I said hyperbolic time chamber from Dragon Ball Z before. <laughs> that was a joke. I'm not an idiot. Um, <laughs> I didn't even pick up on it. I was like, oh, that's what it must be actually called. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> you can't say that. Now you sound like now an idiot. Now I'm the idiot. No, that's fine. I'll be the idiot. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll All be right. the idiot. I'll wear that hat. <laughs> He's got a scouting report on Hakimi. Um, it's such a shame this came out just before this game where he blew it so hard. Yeah, spending over or close to a million to improve his game. It's also very, like, you know, we don't know where this actually comes from, but um, apparently it's like his his dad is involved as well. And like his dad ordered the scouting report on Hakimi. And like, imagine if that is all the dad's doing and just like, son, look, I've, um, I've got a scouting report on the best player in the world in this position. You're not him. <laughs> I wish he was my son. Yeah. I've got a 90 page dossier for you to try and try and impress your old man again. <laughs> Do with this what you will. That's what I love about it is that like I could go on Y Scout, get myself a bit of a scouting report, or if I wanted to spend, or I don't have the money, but if I did a lot of money getting a scouting report on Hakimi and then they'd be like, this is his numbers. And I'd read them and go, he's good. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't mean that I'm going to be, it's not going to prove me. Oh, totally. Like, <laughs> And it's, it's kind of like, you know, and, and these things like a hyperbaric oxygen chamber, like, I mean, that's going to make, help make Emerson Royale fitter and help with recovery and these sort of things, but it's not going to help a ball into the final third. No. So you kind of wonder if it's like, you know, maybe set up just a, set up a third, you know, a little quarter of a pitch in your backyard um, and just, mm -hmm. just try and whip crosses in all day. Um, maybe mm. that might serve a little bit better than getting like a Hakimi scouting report. Yeah. Also the highs in neuroscience, like as someone that works in neuropsychology, what is the neuroscientist doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't sort of make any sense as to why he needed to hire one. So we've, uh, we've analyzed your brain patterns and we have <laughs> come to the conclusion that you are not Hakimi. Yeah, yeah. There is a strange black hole at the crossing section of the brain where other people who cross balls, they do have something there. <laughs> Yours is unfortunately antimatter. Yeah. Yeah, and that is actually eating the rest of your brain from within. <laughs> so it's a matter of time. Look, we've uncovered another reason as to why this tackle happened in the game. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's the antimatter. Yep, it's the it's yeah, it's the black hole antimatter. Uh, um, <laughs> the only way to fix it, Mister Royale, is to get a scouting report of Hakimi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if this was all like, um, like his dad was in the stands at the North London Derby and maybe they'd seen like, maybe Hakimi did this really bad challenge just in the rise of his career at some stage. And then he's yeah. like, Emerson, my son, today, you know what you must do when the game, if the game, if we go down, if we go down and it's, uh, I don't know, two, one, something, you know what you need to do. Do what Hakimi did. Sacrifice mm. yourself like he did. Fly in. And then you will be him. <laughs> <laughs> Fly. It's also just a bit weird that it's like, yeah, Hakimi is, you know, pretty clear. Ah, uh, yeah, pretty clearly the best, you know, attacking right wing back in the world. But it's also like, yeah, Conte's former player. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's kind of weird. It's kind of like I feel like if you're dating someone and you did a scouting report on their ex, because you're like, mm. Mm, I wonder what jeans they wear. I want to be more like them. And I want to impress, impress my current, my current mm. partner a little bit more. Like it's, it's so bizarre. It, we don't know if this 
how true this is, but I would like to think that it is true. Um, mm. But it's it's just it's just odd. It's very odd. It, well, it's similar to like if you were like, I'm going to get a, a report on my current uh, girlfriend or partner's uh, ex, uh, boyfriend or girlfriend, and then I'm going to utilize that data to become more like them instead of just being like, hey, what did your ex do that you liked? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> instead of going straight to the source, it's like, no, 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 that's too direct. Yeah. It's too easy. It's like, oh, they just would watch, uh, they would just watch you on, uh, on Netflix with me. You know, that show you, the real creepy yeah. one. They just watch that with me. That's it. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. Wasn't in the yeah. scouting yeah. report. Would have never found that out, but okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll to it. me, I mean, obviously we need to reveal that the source of this ridiculous story is, of course, the Daily Mail. But, but, but it's actually the Daily Mail who I believe are quoting the sun. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> wow. But we choose to leave out things when we bring on certain reports because, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, it removes our credibility. <laughs> mm. <laughs> This is what I think in terms of my theory uh, around why this story exists is because uh, Emerson, as we all know, he's a great self-promoter. He's got a whole bunch of compilations that come out after games. The Daily Mail and The Sun are enterprises to which the idea of um, writing stories because they're paid to do so by independent parties is not. Uh, particularly out of the realm of possibility. And I would say that there is some kind of PR thing happening here where Royale has decided to, uh, or his people or his dad have decided to put this to the press to increase his profile to show that despite, you know, difficulty and his um, unpopularity, he is trying to better himself. Because when I first saw this, my first reaction was, oh, good on him. And then it's only when you actually look at it that you're like, wait a minute, none of this makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. It's maybe um, maybe his dad just met Harry Kane at like a barbecue. Like maybe, maybe at the Tottenham <laughs> train, sorry, uh, Charlie Kane. Like maybe they just did like a little Spurs mixer after training one day. And hey, you can bring like, bring your dad or bring your agent, whatever. <laughs> I don't know, um, whoever you want, uh, bring him along. And then they were chatting and then his dad just was like, Emerson, my, my boy, look, I've, I've met this guy who's really smart. He, <laughs> yeah. he rode in here on a motorbike. Oh my God. And he just gave yeah. us the biggest tip. He gave us a contact at the sun. And it's like, dad, how did it work out when he tried to do that last time? Not well, <laughs> not well at yeah. all, but we'll give it a go. He seems like a good boy. I reckon, he, I reckon he was, I, so I met this man, Charlie Kane, at a barbecue. Incredible man. At first I thought, a moron. But like Kanye West, you're never sure whether the moron is indeed the genius. And, well, that's why I didn't come home last night, because I was at his office. We were playing motorbike riders on his motorbike all night long. <laughs> I'm very tired now, my son. I must go to bed. But here... This is what I figured out with my dear, dear friend, Charlie Kane. Can I ask, what is motorbike riders? Is that, is that one of them just bit sitting on the bike pretending to ride it? I reckon they both sit there 
one of them sits on the front and goes, and the other one's like, whoa, slow down. <laughs> so it's kind, of, it's kind of like that. What was it? That song by Kanye, um, Bound 2? Yeah. Where I think it's him like making out with like Kim Kardashian maybe on the bike. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what, that's mm-hmm. how that night finished. I mean, that could be the case, but sort of in my head, it was more like, you know, that motorbike game that used to be at time zone. Oh yeah. 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 No, that's no, what I had. Totally fine. I was just thinking like, you know, maybe there's an alternate version for the, uh, the, the, the listeners out there who want a bit of romance in their, uh, in their Spurs adjacent yeah. content. <laughs> well, Dan, I was thinking there might be some listeners out there that want some time zone adjacent yeah. content. Yeah. So that's fine. This is where the franchise splits off. Um, yeah. and it's like, we were making this product together for so long. And then it's like, Dan just wanted to keep going into the, the romance side of things and really pushing that. <laughs> Barney wanted to make it more time zone. <laughs> yeah. 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 They now have separate podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we have spinoffs of this one focusing on time zone adjacent content, <laughs> then, uh, we're, we're basically almost there. Yeah, we're always there. We're always there. Um, do we want to jump on? Do you want to jump on some questions, or do you want to jump on uh, <laughs> an ad that's recently come into our uh, sphere? Yeah, I think the ad. The ad is very mm-hmm. funny. Um, it's the it's Conte and Powerade, um, and it's from I think March this year, and it's a very very bizarre ad, which the mm. a- end of the ad finishes saying Powerade March Madness, the official sports drink of March Madness. March Madness mm. being the NCAA um, college tournament in the States. Very, very weird that Conte is chosen <laughs> to lead up this ad. And I think the message in the ad is a bit weird anyway, because it starts with Conte it's... talking and he basically says, what we need is to pause. And the, the the players are looking at him like, what was that gaffer? Players? He's like, pause, pause. We need to pause. And it's like, what? What? <laughs> And the whole ad is about pausing in sport to have a power ad. Yeah. I see. I thought he said pose this whole time. I thought he said pose. <laughs> we need to pose. And that's why the, the next cut is to, um, gridiron players doing like dancing and posing in various, but it's pause to drink power aid. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. It makes it even weirder, right? If it pose would make more sense if he's like, we need to pose which doesn't make more sense for the product, but it makes more sense for the rest of the ad. Why is he on, I want to know, a um, mechanical armchair to which he can use like some kind of um, Dr. X figure to drive (laughs) drive around the corridors of a stadium? Yeah. (laughs) As he does it, he says, and look, I'm very well aware this sounds like something we would just make up out of. (laughs) Mm, mm. This is legit. We'll put it up on, um, on Twitter. We'll put it on Discord. Um, but yeah, mm. towards the end of the ad, he's going down a, a hallway in the stadium and he's got his hand up and he goes, come on, boys. <laughs> the player's <laughs> walking behind him and he's he's going around on a lazy boy. Um, like you said, it's like uh, Dr. X, he's lost his ability to, he's controlling everything with his mind at this stage. It's bizarre. And, the, you know, because when it starts with him and he assumed that he will be the protagonist throughout the ad, but he doesn't really feature apart from the armchair. Apart from one scene where um, a diving instructor has the diving team knitting and he's knitting a very complex pattern um, compared to the others. And he says, is this good? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's 
that might be Tom Daly, possibly, who's like the Olympic mm. British diver or whatever. But it's just so bizarre that it's like you have Conte, he's the biggest person in this ad. Mm. And then you've got all these people doing other sports and they're maybe a little bit known or not really that well known. And he like mm. he has one interaction with one of them. Mm. Like if he was going on a journey around and like popping up in all these sports, you'd be like, okay, this ad is completely bonkers, but at least gets what mm. guess, you know, I at least understand some aspect of what's happening here. But like you say, the mm. only other time he pops up is he's knitting a jumper for Tom Daly. <laughs> and he just, you like this Tom, but that's it. Mm. Great Antonio. And he's just really happy with it. It's mm. so weird. I also couldn't believe that the ad includes Samantha Byers in that famous press conference saying, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and there's no sort of like, because I was like, oh, okay, Conte's going to appear and be like, come sit on the lazy boy with me and we'll speed around town. <laughs> he doesn't. They're completely different storylines. Yeah. It, it just makes no sense. I... I'm so baffled by, because I understand, you know, like a lot of American humor is based around like, um, and American listeners, you can correct me on this, but it's, it's based on like randomness where it's like, this happens and then it's random and then there's random guys involved. It's like someone that you wouldn't expect in this situation is randomly there, but they don't do that. Because Conte can't leave England because he's working. Yeah. <laughs> it's so bizarre. You're right. Look, if Conte was going around as this kind of like Powerade Tinkerbell, like, sure, mm. fine. Okay, great. And that would actually be hilarious, Barney, if, like you said, it's like in all of these scenes, Conte just like wheels up in his lazy boy, <laughs> just, just enters the frame and just, you know, says something. But it's like, yeah, it's, it's. It's really, really odd. It's kind of just like they're like, you know what? We can get Conte for the ad. And they're like, oh, brilliant. Amazing. Finally, we can put him in all the scenes and do that. Oh, um, mm, we can actually only get him for an hour of filming mm. <laughs> and one location. Yeah. And he wants to sit on a chair. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing that I find really bizarre about it. Because if it was Jose... I'd be like, this makes sense. Jose, just whatever. He's in a Stormzy video. I'm pretty sure he's in the latest Game of Thrones. Not confirmed, but I'm pretty sure he is. I will post this on the Discord and on Twitter. I'm pretty sure he's in the latest Game of Thrones. But Conte seems very anti doing anything like this. Yeah. But he's very happy in the ad. Like, it's not like he's half-assing it. So what, what does Powerade have over him? What secret does Powerade know? Yeah, exactly. Because if Conte's like, look, I'll do the ad, but I'm not going to sit in the chair. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that right, Antonio? You're not going to sit in the chair? Yeah. Well, we know someone at the sun. We know someone at the sun. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, also, because it's an American ad, the Powerade is like triple the size of a Powerade that we would have yeah. <laughs> in Australia. <laughs> It's huge. It's huge. What's a, it's what, huge. If it's an American ad, why is Antonio Conte the face of that? Because it's like, yeah. I guarantee there'd be so many members of the American public who do not follow football at all, and uh, the football mm. we're talking about, um, and they would not know who Antonio Conte is. It's not like he's, if you don't follow football in America, you probably might, you probably would still know who, say, Ronaldo is, who Messi is. Um, mm. At a stretch, you probably might know who, like, you know, Pulisic is, um, mm. who, which 
um, there was a funny clip that came up. It was on, um, is it porn stars that, that were in Las Vegas? Oh, where they I sell love it? that video. Yeah, yeah. And the guy's trying yeah. to sell this signed Pulisic top and he's wants like, I don't know, 10 grand or something. And the guy who works at porn stars. He's like, Oh, Christian Pulisic. Uh, he's like the LeBron James of, uh, soccer, right? And then the guy's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite videos of all time. <laughs> and then I, I I do love that he was like, well, you know what? I don't really know much about this. I'll get my friend in to come and check it out. <laughs> and his friend comes <laughs> in and just basically shits on it. And it's just like, well, there's a lot of these. It's, it's not really worth that much at all. It's maybe like, <laughs> I don't know, a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's just so funny seeing the guy just like trying to pull the wool over the you know, the, the, the porn seller, the porner, I don't know, the mm. porner's eyes by like having that question of like, yeah, he's like the LeBron James of soccer, right? Uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. No more questions. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like there's a section in that video where they're really talking him up. They're like, he is, he is fan. And it was like during a period where he wasn't even being played or something. Oh like yeah. It was. Um, but back on your point about like, why Conte, it's like, okay, so if you can't get Ronaldo, you can't get Messi, you can't get Pulisic, um, you can't get, uh, what's another famous American footballer? Um, you can't, it's okay. Tim Weyer. Uh, what's Dent? Dent? Ah, uh, Dest? Dest. Dest. I'm thinking yep. of. I'm going to call him Dent. Um, okay, Dent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You, okay, you can't get them. So then, who else is uh, famous and plays football? David Beckham. Okay, you can't get him. Yeah. Uh, all right, maybe we'll get a manager because we want a manager to give the top. Uh, all right, we could get Sir Alex Ferguson. Mm, he will never do it. Okay, Jose. No, <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Surely he'd do it. And then it's like, whoa. do we get old mate who's in charge of Leeds? What's his name? Uh, Jesse Marsh. Yep. Yep. No. We somehow end up with Antonio Conte. <laughs> it just makes no sense. He couldn't be in their top 50 people, surely. I'm so baffled mm. by this. Um, Because, yeah, again, and it's like, all right, we're, we're, we're assigning this, like we're putting out this ad at the time of March Madness. Let's, let's promo that. And it's like, yeah, there's a basketball team in the ad. But why lead with, you know, a soccer team with Antonio Conte? Like it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like it's so it's so weird. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. And he is acting like in the ad anyway. He's had a lot of power aids. Yeah. He's got a lot of electrolytes, <laughs> sodiums, and sugars flowing through his body. Yeah. I couldn't believe how happy he looks. Oh, I've never heard him happier. Yeah. This is maybe the happiest moment of his life. Maybe like I'm. I'm also struggling to put into, like what happened around the time they filmed this. So this came out in March. So yep. it probably was filmed the start of this year, mm, mm. maybe at the stretch end of last year. So it would have been after he signed for Spurs, surely. Mm. Um, but it's like he, like he hadn't really done. You know, he was he was chilling for a little while before then. <laughs> he was. It's very very weird. It's very weird. It's either during the period where he wasn't. Maybe this is why he didn't sign for us at the start of the season. He was like, I've got a big thing yeah. to do, guys. Sorry. <laughs> or I assume this is part of his nervous breakdown when we lost to Burnley. And he was like, football, I don't, uh, what does that even mean anyway? Why are we alive? Yeah. 
this was, they were like, do you want to do an ad where you speed around on a chair for yeah. Powerade? You're like, yeah. <laughs> sure, that sounds fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, and look, now you say, look, you do, if you do look at the ad, like the, the players in there, they are dressed like a bootleg Chelsea. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe someone who made the ad is like, hey, I found this clip on the internet of some soccer being played from 2017. <laughs> and there's this Antonio Conte guy. Seems like he's, he, he's holding a trophy. He must be the best player. Let's get him in. <laughs> yeah. Unless it was shot then, yeah. which is a very long time ago. Maybe Antonio was directing it and he was just so particular with like, he's so particular with his automations, his tactics in, in football that he was so particular with how this ad was supposed to come out that it's taken five years <laughs> for this to come together. <laughs> I feel like if we haven't lost all of our listeners by now, uh, <laughs> Um, the people that are left, God bless you. God bless you. You're staying for the good bits. We've saved the best to last. Yeah. All right. Let's do the questions. I reckon. This is why we leave the questions to last because people don't have to listen until then. Mm. Mm-hmm. Damn it. I haven't got my question yet. Damn it. Yeah. yeah. I sent in a question yeah. and they're talking about fucking Antonio Conte <laughs> in his chair. Yeah. <laughs> when they start talking about porn stars and pussage, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous now. <laughs> Um, I imagine like someone sitting by a radio being like, it's coming up. It's coming up. Yeah. It's good. Next bit. Next bit. It's, it's coming up <laughs> it's like an hour later. <laughs> yeah. It's very much a, are we there yet? And we're like soon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't worry. Soon. soon. It's like when you get someone to drop you home and you're like, just round the corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 50 minutes later. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Question, I'll question. do the first one. Ready? I can also answer this too. I'm not restricting you. Okay, okay, yeah, go, go, go. Yeah, cool. This is from uh, Doherty's Left Foot. Would love to hear our host's thoughts on Garang Kual and how he's moved to uh, Arsenal. Walt (laughs) to Newcastle is going down in Australia. Yes. Now, um, confession, I had not heard of Garang Kual until I saw this question. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Because I really don't follow A-League. But... My understanding is Grant Qual was playing A-League, a young 18-year-old, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not sure if he's playing for the Socceroos yet or if he's playing for, like, the, the Joey Roos. Um, but my understanding is, yeah, that Newcastle have bought him and he's going there at the end of the season or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. That's all my knowledge, apart from until Marty, uh, friend of the pod, Marty Mariner, jumped in and gave us some uh, inside scoop which was basically like, hey, he's a young guy, he's got some talent, um, might make it, might not. Thank God for Marty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I, from what I, uh, I've seen stories about him being picked up by Newcastle, and my response was like, okay, because we've seen this before um, in terms of players from the A-League being picked up by English clubs or European clubs mm. and like impressive in quotation marks, European clubs, and then being there for a year, two years, and then all of a sudden they're back in the A-League. Um, are they better players after that? Yes, they are. So in terms of development uh, for them, great. But Well, I was just going to give an example of that was Mustafa Amini, who mm-hmm. um, was sort of making a bit of a splash for the the Mariners and, and whatever, then went to Dortmund, played zero games, then played almost 60 games for the Dortmund's like B team. 
then went to a few lower league European clubs and then came back to the A-League. So an mm-hmm. example of mm-hmm. exactly what you're talking about. Well, same with uh, Danny De Silva, where he was at Perth Glory. He went to Roma. He was there for like a year or two years and then came back and was playing for Sydney, I think. Yeah. Um, Marty, you can correct me on that. Um, Marty will just be there shaking his fists at all the facts we're getting wrong about the aliens. <laughs> yeah, destroying his iPhone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I remember that was he was he was great before he went for the A League, um, and I think I went, I think I've been burnt because I went along with the hype, and I was like, yes, this is it. We've got like young players going to Europe. We're going to have the Kiel, Viduka, Aloisi era again, mm. and then they, you know, like so many young players go over to those clubs. You know, they're there for a year or two, and then sort of don't quite make the grade and go back. So. I guess there's been a lot of publicity about it happening. I've seen heaps of articles, but my response is very much like, oh, well, good, good for him. But like, I don't, I assume he's going to be back in a year or two. I hope he's not. I hope he goes on to be fantastic. But yeah. Are these articles mainly from non-football following reporters and stuff like that? Because I feel like they'd see like, like, oh, Bloody truth, mate. Central Coast Mariners play has been signed by a Premier League team. We better run that yep. in the paper without mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. really knowing what sort of entails with that. Because you can guarantee he's not going to go there and play. Um, I've just no. seen he's only played nine senior games for the Mariners. Um, scored four goals. Uh, and he's played. he's got one cap for Australia. So it's impressive for an 18-year-old, but it's still very, very much like you really even don't know what type of player he is at this stage. No, totally not. Um, Which maybe is good because they can shape him into what they see him as over there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, totally right. He's not proven by. Yeah. But I guess. Yeah. Any stretch. I guess there is the thought then of like, in terms of the reaction there is, is there some conflict between going like, oh, he's going to Newcastle. Oh no. Oh, that's the worst place he could go to. Uh, yada, 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 yada. Um, I think because of how we're talking that it's like, it's still such a long way from really making it anywhere that Mm. almost you don't, I don't know, you don't hold the Newcastle thing against, against him, or it doesn't seem to be this, you know, cloud hanging over the situation because you're just like, well, it's, it's not like they've snapped up another like world beater from somewhere. No. And like he, you know, like if you were 18 years old and Newcastle in their current uh, ownership said to you, uh, Dan, we want to have you uh, come and train with us and you're going to be part of our academy. You'd, you'd be like, yeah. Nah, 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 not for me, mate. I'm, I've got an offer from Bournemouth on the table. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. You'd go. I'm going to be, um, no, no, no. I'm going to go play for um, the Seattle Sounders. <laughs> Sounders ball, baby. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I, I mean, I hope he becomes the greatest player ever. Um, but also, ugh, the Australian media, when we talk about our own soccer player, or they say soccer players, is like histrion- histrionic uh, constantly in terms of like how we speak about ourselves. Yeah, it's like they only care about them when they're being better than someone else. Yep. So if it's like, if it's like, you know, if. If he won 
Like, what was it that that Nike competition that they did years ago, which I think Tom Rogic actually won or he was in it, and mm. it was like to find future young players and give them a chance. I think Tom Rogic was involved. Um, I could be mistaken. But it's like if um, if Garang was like against a bunch of like, you know, like Newcastle's new reality TV show, youth players from around the world, mm. and they were scouting around the world and they had 10 you know, youth players competing on there for a chance at a contract, then the Australian media here would definitely get on the back of that and be like, well, we beat out everyone. We beat out the South Americans. We beat out the, the, or any of the Asian players. We beat this and we've, we've got a player who's made it into Europe. Like that's the one they would get like, you know, involved in it. Oh, for sure. We still like in our reporting here <laughs> report, like, I mean, you know what, we're a, we're a nation of what, 20, 20, 25,000 people. So, well, no, it's a million yeah. actually. And, but, and you know, I guess it's just that damn Australian luck that's got him through. <laughs> he's a battler through and through and he's managed to just find his way. It's his good Aussie heart. And you're like, what yeah. is this insane <laughs> myth making? Oh, totally. I love that sometimes the other day too, it, it, it ends up going into like, geez, we're good at sport in Australia. Geez, we've, <laughs> geez, we've produced some athletes given the fact that we're only, there's all oh, this, oh, there's gosh, four of us here. And yet we keep producing international athletes everywhere. <laughs> and it's like, well, we kind yeah. of invent sports that only we play as well. So we're good at things. So, you know. Um, yeah. All right. Next question, uh, Barney. All right. Sweet. Uh, with Emerson, yeah. this is from THFC Tex uh, from Discord. Great. Uh, with Emerson out for the next three, will Conte stick to being stubborn and play 10 men instead of trying out Doherty and Spence? <laughs> uh, followed up by, uh, they've said, more serious question. Uh, do you all think Conte may be more adventurous and Spence can break out, especially against a side like Everton? Or is Perisic right wing back more likely? I think both the first question... And the second question are excellent. Thank you very much, uh, TFC Techs. Um, it's like you're speaking I, to a I child imagine... there and you've been told, like, Bernal Barney, you need to acknowledge everyone's question as being beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I dropped into uh, psychology mode. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I do generally think they're great because, mm. yes, Conte seems like he'd be so stubborn that he would be like, 10 men. <laughs> you need to suffer, everyone. Yeah, suffer. We suffer with Dan. <laughs> um, secondly... We've also seen Conte be very uh, specific in the games that Spence has played. So, for instance, when we played Nottingham Forest, former club, Spence plays at the end after the game's sort of done. Mm -hmm. um, and I imagine if there is a game coming up where he thinks that Spence is going to be not even necessarily impactful for the team, but it's going to be a game for him that's going to boost confidence or it's going to increase his own belief in his, which I guess is self-confidence, belief in his own abilities. Like, say, if he's playing Everton, depending on who he's up against, then, yeah, totally possible that Spence plays that game. Um, I think Conte's stubbornness is maybe overblown in the idea that he's actually quite exacting in what he does and he's constantly weighing up the benefit slash 
the I guess the deficit or the harm that could come from from doing a certain thing. So like, you know, if he played Spence against Arsenal and it didn't go well, or he play, say we play Man City and he starts Spence, it's probably going to be quite a difficult afternoon for him because he's maybe he does great. But the chance of that happening versus the perceived chance of it probably being really difficult is quite high. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a, actually a really great uh, prediction slash observation. Well, I think it also shows the opposite um, in what you're saying. Uh, it shows the opposite mm. of, say, Conte to someone like Arteta. So when Te- Arteta brought on Ethan uh, Nguyenieri mm. to become the youngest Premier League player of the 15 the other week, um, which some people were like, oh, so great. We're bringing out, what a great experience for this young kid. <laughs> da, da, da. But then other people like, hang on, this sends a pretty bad message to the rest of the academy where it's like, hey, everyone else in the reserves and the like, you know, 18, 19 youth group, we're bringing through this 15-year-old to give him a game instead. Plus, it's also like, all right, this guy breaks, he gets like one appearance and then you never see, like, when are you going to see him next? Yeah. What does that do to that player's confidence? Um, like, I, I'm all up for including some youth players. Like, if you had a thing where you're like, every week we're going to include a youth player on the bench, in the squad, and we're going to rotate through that to build up that because we don't need seven, eight, nine subs, whatever. Fine. Mm. Go for it. But to actually bring players on and do that. So this is why, you know, some people take the fact we haven't seen Spence as like Conte hates him. Conte didn't want him. Daniel Levy, I again. Oh, bloody Levy <laughs> signing, in it. And it's just like, no, you, we just know that Conte is very, very patient and pragmatic with these sort of things. And he's not going to play Spence for a minute until he thinks he's ready. Yeah. And in that, you know, there is this, and it's unfortunate that Conte said, which, I mean, I guess he was just speaking the truth where he said, it's a club. This wasn't a player that I, that I was seeking out myself. It's a player the club wanted. When he says, he doesn't say, and I hated it and I, I wish we'd (laughs) never signed him. He just says, that's what it was. He's also good, like him not playing him. You've got to remember that it's not necessarily a reflection on his feelings towards this person, but also like a protectiveness in the sense that it's like, well, I'm going to play you at the time that you're ready and it suits the opposition we play, players we have. I want you starting your career in the Premier League to be one where it is like the most conducive to you growing as a player, right? Mm. That is also possible as opposed to hate him. (laughs) I hate this man. Uh, He is, uh, I hate him. (laughs) It's like, that's just, you know, ridiculous. And, uh, you know, as Barty says on the extra inch, the idea of youth player in Italy is very different to England where we have, you know, younger players coming through. Um, I just think that, he will play minutes. They will be uh, not particularly uh, like crucial minutes. They'll come like they did against you know Nottingham, where you're kind of dropping them in. And exactly as you said, <laughs> with Arteta, uh, it's crazy, and it's it's a problem with the league and the well, maybe not the league, but the media's portrayal of the league that that was celebrated or it's like 15-year-old, 
unreal. He's come on. Oh my God, this guy, A, everyone that's older than him that's in the reserves or senior players that are not in the squad are like, great, cool. So you're playing a 15-year-old. That is insulting. And then also for him, it's like he's 15. Like mm. I was a moron at 15. You know, like to then have to, you know, get to go on and play for Arsenal in a Premier League game or was it a Premier League game? Yeah, a Premier League game, yep. They would have broken, like, regardless of how well it went for me, I'd then be like, cool. So that's the standard. And then he has to go back and play with the youth setup. It's like, what are you doing? Like, wh- why is that advantageous for him? It's ridiculous. Apart from the story for the media to be like, he's only 15. It's like, what? Totally. You know, it's it. either it's like Rooney, was de- did Rooney debut when he was 15 or 16? I think 16. 16. Right. Obviously, fantastic talent. Went on and played a lot of games. Was a fantastic player. But <laughs> you need to be pretty sure or pretty desperate to to integrate a 15-year-old, 16-year-old into your team. Yeah, I think it's gross. Oh, definitely. And like in Rooney's case, like Rooney, that's like a one in a billion sort of occurrence there. Oh, for sure. Like, and it's yeah. such a... Like this guy, there's a much higher chance that he's walking around the the changing room like laughing about a fart he did two minutes ago than there is yeah. of him being the next Wayne Rooney. Like it's a child here, and I don't care how mature you say a fifteen year old could be, they're a child. <laughs> like it's it's a child. Yeah. They shouldn't be in that setup. So I think just fans get so excited about the idea of a youth player coming through. And it's also I find it funny when fans criticize, they'll be like, Oh, it's Tottenham Youth Academy. Who have we brought through in the last uh, 10 years? What, Harry Kane, Oliver Skip? That's it, is it? Deli Ali, where's he? Harry Winks, where's he? And it's just <laughs> this thing of like, do you think all these other teams are like bringing through youth? Like who's Man City, who's the only youth player they brought through through this whole time and it's Foden. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like like this, <laughs> other, other teams do the same thing. Um, and it's like, great. It'll be wonderful if youth academies did bring through um, all these players. And like, even when Chelsea is like, oh, Chelsea bringing through all these players. No, but they're learning them all out. They're getting rid of them. <laughs> like, mm, mm. And then they come back and play for them after having good seasons wherever they've gone. Yeah. I'm thinking Brozier. I'm thinking um, Gallagher. And then they play <laughs> for Chelsea and they're not the same player because they get dropped into this scenario and they're like, go for it, mate. You were good last year. Yeah, oh, totally. It's like, What? I mean, like Todd Todd Bowley. I mean, if uh, you've asked him though, well, we developed um, Mo Salah, um, Kevin De Bruyne. Um, you know, we uh, developed uh, a guy. I don't know if you've heard of him, uh, Leonard Messi. We developed him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris Ronaldo. We developed Pele. Have you heard of Pele? <laughs> we developed him. Uh, but apart from that, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Um, no. Cool. Great question. Great question. Yeah. Great question. Um, uh, okay, question for you from Spud in SA. I always forget, is Spud in SA, is that South Africa or South Australia? South Australia. South Australia. Oh, great. Yep. Cool. Um, should we have brought in Kane's shaman physio to get Decky fit for this game, or could that have brought in bad juju for later games? So this Kane's shaman physio, I believe, is the one who's doing acupuncture on his ankle. And, mm. uh, his inflammation has gone down. Mm. Um, 
you'd have to think Kane's probably passing the number around. Because, mm. like, you mm. know, people love recommending someone more than anything. Oh, that is the number one thing that people like. Like, absolutely anything. As soon as someone goes, oh, I've been having a bit of a problem with the toilet, a bit blocked. Someone's like, oh, I got a plumber. Hey, whoa, I got a plumber. And I guarantee if you've got mm. other people, they'll be like, no, 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 I've got a plumber. I know, right? I got, oh, I got the best one. I got the absolute best plumber. <laughs> talk to me. I've got the best plumber. Don't talk to the other guy. Um, so I 100% these players would be sharing this sort of info in the in the dressing room. Like it reminds me, a little mm. while ago, I saw a story of this guy who just like, he started, he sold shoes to some player. And then within like two years, and he was like, I don't know, 17 or something. Within two years, he has this full-time business where he is basically like the go-to shopper for like world footballing stars. Like Benzema wants some new clothes. He flies this guy in and he'll bring in a whole bunch of clothes. Go, hey, which ones do you want? Cool, here you go. That's it. And so he's like a personal shopper there. And that just started from him like hooking up one, I think even youth team player somewhere or something like that. And then the number just gets passed mm. around. So I guarantee Kane is passing this number around to everyone that he can find. Mm. Mm. One thing I find fascinating about, I don't know, I don't know anything about this shaman physio. Can you, you mentioned the acupuncture. Do you know anything more? No. So it's, it's some, it's a different type of acupuncture, but I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it's basically Kane has had so many issues with his ankles in the past. And then mm. he started working with this guy who I thought I read initially was Spanish, but then other reports saying he's based in Canada. So I'm, I'm not too sure here, but basically it's someone who is taking a different approach to his ankle using some sort of acupuncture. And I don't know if it's scientifically validated. And my understanding is that acupuncture is even questioned scientifically. Some people swear by it. Other people mm. are like, mm, yeah, I don't know about it. Um, mm. Anyway, he's got him in and he's the swelling in Kane's ankle has gone down and he isn't having as many issues there. That is my understanding. Um, that is my understanding from it. Is it, uh, dry needling. Is that what the term, I th does that ring a bell? No, I think it was something else, but it could be a, maybe a fancy word for dry needling. Okay, cool. Um, because dry needling is like the westernized version of acupuncture that's been adopted by physiotherapy under the medical board to sort of verify its effectiveness in treatment. Mm. Um, I'm just looking up now. Uh, he's working with a genius physiotherapist, um, and, uh, See, look who he got passed to from, uh, Justin Rose, the golfer. Okay. Um, also this is coming from Matt Law, who might be the, uh, reincarnation of Satan. So, um, don't worry. There's another report on the daily mail about this. So we can all rest. Oh, great. great. Our main, our main source. Oh, look, I did get some details, right? He's Spanish. He's based in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, a bunch of different sports, judo, athletics. Um, yeah, well, apparently Kane swears by now. And between 50 and 100 hours of acupuncture each year is what he's did with, with Justin Rose. Mm -hmm. This is weird. This is, so this is secondhand information coming from Justin Rose, I guess. Mm. So Justin Rose is, is the physio? The golfer. The golfer. Right, okay. I feel like Spider-Ness is like, get back to the question. Well, should we brought him in for Decky? Tell me. Please. Tell me, please. What are you doing? <laughs> Why didn't you look this up before you started recording? And then we're just like, oh, Ontario. Where is that in Canada? Is that east or west? <laughs> Let's have a look. 
uh, what's that? Okay, so how long does it take to get there by train from Toronto? Yeah. Do they eat mud crab there? Is that a specialty? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's Maine in America more so. Oh, okay. Anyway, yeah, okay, Maine, I saw a movie that was based on Maine. <laughs> Actually, if any of the um, Wicked Spursy guys are still listening, I was on a plane with a guy who was from uh, north of New York, and I was like, are you from... Are you from around that area? Are you from Vermont? Uh, do you know uh, Mike and Steve? Uh, and he was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, so I hope you might. I love that your you story for that. the Wicked Spursy guys is, hey, here's a story about when I brought you up and you were not known. <laughs> no, he looked at me like I was insane. Um, so to bring this up, shaman physio. Well, it sounds like he's a not a shaman physio, but just a physio. Yeah. Um, to get Decky fit for this game. Do you want my joke answer or my serious answer? Mm, well, let's start joke. If we brought this guy in, you bet every single Spurs player is going to have bats flying out of their mouths for months because of the curses that will result from this kind of ridiculous treatment. Now the serious one. Kulusevsky has a muscle injury in the hamstring uh, as compared to inflammation of the ankle. And so the protocol of treating that with dry needling slash acupuncture is probably less effective. Um, I would say there would probably be more um, like restrictive uh, treatment around the hamstring if it is indeed um, affected. Um, and so unfortunately the, the physio's treatments wouldn't be particularly salient or efficacious in the treatment of Decky's uh, hamstring. Two great answers. I feel like Spud Nessay is mm -hmm. going to be like, oh, the first one was more fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like it when you do the fun answers. <laughs> Thank you, Spud Nessay. Very much appreciate your uh, comment. Is it what? Oh, we haven't done the medal. Yeah, we haven't done the medal. I think we've been avoiding it, to be fair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, I guess it's time for the medal. Spurs Medal Man, who will get books playing well? Who will get books for playing pretty poorly? The most romantic medal in sports. Yes, that's right. The most romantic medal in sports is back mm. for another week. Mm -hmm. Devoid of much romance, to be fair. Sometimes in romance, one must experience heartbreak. Yep. This is the end of the first act where the big split up has happened. Mm, yeah. I really don't know who I'm going to give votes to here, Dan. Do you have any pre-prepared? Because I don't. <laughs> no, it wasn't fun voting for players after this game. Um, to be honest. Sometimes it's really fun. Sometimes you can't wait to give out votes after the games. Uh, in ones like this, it's absolutely just a chore. Mm. Uh, it's a chore. It's not fun. And... It makes me just regret that the Bitspersy medal exists. Um, mm. But if we had to give out some votes, I would say, I, I don't know, like Romero maybe was like, he had a couple of nice tackles in there, so maybe a 7.1 for him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to give out one vote, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? That's it. Like, I think <sighs> maybe Richarlison as well. Richarlison, I'll just give mm. a maybe a... A 6.9. 6.9 for Richarlison. 6.9? Yeah, it's, look, they're not right. high votes, but it's like, it's really hard to give out really high votes when 
we had like maybe 30 minutes of a really good performance mm. in mm. there and then there was just a capitulation into sort of nothingness um, mm. maybe i'll give skip i'm gonna give skip a 7.5 for coming back here <laughs> That's great. There you go. Three votes. It's like contractually obliged, mm -hmm. like the kit sponsors to, to put their logos on the kits in the World <laughs> Cup. We are contractually obliged to give out three votes. So there are the three mm -hmm. votes. I'm going to do... Uh, I'm going to give Bentinker 7.5. Um, I thought he was, again, pretty good. Um, I'm going to give Kane a 7 uh, for his penalty. Uh, oh, fair. Well yep. put away. <laughs> Um, I'm going to give Conte a 6.9 for the fact that he uh, laughed in Arsenal's face by rotating at the end of the game. Yep. Okay. Oh, great. Mm. Um, what would you give uh, Larice and Emerson? I feel like we, we probably should give them. We should probably. Uh, this is what I miss about the old format where it was like 1, 2, 3 and then negative 1, 2, 3. Okay. Do we revert? Not for this week, but maybe for next week. Do we revert? Do we take it old school? I, I feel like it's... This is... Although it's a better rating system, I think we need to go old school and make it yeah. chaos. We just need to pretend that people are requesting it. Ah, we've got a message here yeah. from uh, Spurs fan 28 They just say, bring back yeah. the old medal. So, all right, we'll do that. Yeah, all right, we'll do that. Oh, I just had actually an email come in from... Uh, Big Spurs 66. They're saying, please bring back those votes. Uh, the three, two, one. So, should we just do the three, two, one of the of the bad side? Okay. All right. Um, um, three points, Romero. Two points, Richarlison. One point, Kane. Point five to skip. Encouragement award for coming back in. Just a real strong negative three for Hugo. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm um, and a negative nine. Wait, he misses three games, Royal. Mm. So a negative twelve. So I'm giving him negative three for this game and then a negative three for the three other games he's going to miss based on that. Love that vote. Um, yeah, I'm going to go three Benton Kerr, um, two Kane, one Conte, 0.5, I agree, skip for being back. Um, 0.5 for Dyer for how angry he looked. Um, and then I'm just going to go straight to the, yeah, negative three, Larice, negative... 12 uh, Royale. Great. Okay. Great. So going back to the old system, Royale has copped an absolute beating at negative 24. Yeah. <laughs> right. We need to write these down, Dan, <laughs> so we don't have to do what we did last season. We will write them down. We'll write them down. <laughs> yeah. Um, great. Look, I think that that probably does us because, yeah. Um, frankly, we've got to edit this episode and get out real quick because uh, we've got the Frankfurt game in less than 48 hours. Um, mm. and there'll be a lot of people wanting us to win that. We want to win too, uh, based on, you know, for the sporting result. And then we've got, um, Brighton on the weekend. So two big games mm -hmm. this week. Can I, uh, give you a prediction? I think we draw with Frankfurt and then we lose to Brighton. Oh yeah. I guess new manager bounce for Bar Brighton, even though the previous manager wasn't sacked, but still, People mm. wanting to impress, and they uh decent result against Liverpool. However, they still conceded three. So, yeah, yeah look, I, I honestly feel that the Brighton game could go either way. Yeah. I, I think we might even have a draw there. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go like a 2-2 two -two draw. Mm -hmm. And Frankfurt, I think we're going to win. I think we're going to get a win. Maybe like a 1-0. I'm going off the, so I think draw will be, it'll be like after this loss, it'll be like, oh, wow. 
terrible and then we'll lose to Brighton because Conte needs to go into that nervous breakdown phase again. So I think uh, that will need to happen and then we'll see this huge uptick. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to get real dark. So you want a Coy's meltdown this week, basically? I don't, I mean, I don't want, I'd rather us win both. You're predicting, sorry, you're predicting, predicting a Coy's yeah, meltdown. Yeah, I would rather we just win both very easily, but I'm predicting huge Coy's meltdowns. So if we get a draw and a loss, there are going to be absolute scenes from, from yeah. Spurs fans online. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's going to be insane. And it'll still be okay. It'll be okay. If that happens, it'll be okay. Um, because you lose a game or two, there's a lot of games to bounce back with. Um, mm -hmm. There's also a lot of games where the, the slide could keep happening, but yeah, we'll be okay. We'll be okay. Well, um, on that note, um, <laughs> I've been Barney. I've been Dan. And come on, you Spurs, and come on, Conte's nervous breakdown. You've been listening to A Bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Email us at hello at abitspursy.com and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. <laughs>